Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the 60s in a heart-to-heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Carpe Diem, These the Days. So we have a great show for you today. This has been such a joy to meet actual pioneers in the heart world. One doesn't usually associate the word pioneer with a young woman only 30 years of age, but in this case, it is a fact. Once upon a time, in October of 1984, a baby girl was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, or HLHS. At the time, heart transplants for babies was in its infancy, and since the heart was not available, doctors at Loma Linda University Medical Center gave baby Faye a baboon heart, the first infant xenotransplantation. While baby Faye only survived for 21 days, much was learned about heart transplantation, and since that time, many babies have had successful human heart transplants. Transplantation was not the only or even the most preferred method of dealing with HLHS, even in the 1980s. A maverick doctor, William Norwood, created a procedure which bears his name, and which is the first of a series of open-heart surgeries designed to save babies with HLHS. Dr. Norwood wrote about the first baby to survive his surgery in 1982. Today, we'll meet an HLHS survivor born in 1985, so she clearly deserves to be called a pioneer. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Mary Beth Poole. Mary Beth Poole was born April 30th, 1985 in Dallas, Texas. Two days later, she was diagnosed with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, or HLHS. She is one of the oldest living survivors with HLHS. She was raised in Dallas and has a younger brother and two younger sisters. Growing up, Mary Beth was active in school, her church youth group, and anything else that other children her age were involved with. She graduated from high school and went on to Stephen F. Austin State University and got her degree in family and child development. Mary Beth is currently in her seventh year of teaching. She and her husband of a year and a half, Nick, live right outside College Station, Texas. Mary Beth is very passionate about CHD awareness and finds joy in talking with parents and families of children with CHDs. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Mary Beth. Hi, thank you for having me today. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I've known about you for a long time, Mary Beth, but this is the first time for me to quote unquote meet you. And so I'm really, really happy that we are going to do the show today. When Alex was born with HLHS way back in 1994, I would have loved to meet you. 
Because I was told back then that babies with HLHS didn't normally survive. I can't even imagine what your parents must have been told. So how does having a critical congenital heart defect like HLHS affect your choices when it comes to seizing the day? I try not to let HLHS define who I am. I'm not ashamed of this condition. I am proud to be a survivor, but I don't want it to hinder what I do throughout the day. I do have to be wise when choosing how much junk food I eat, how much fat I intake, because I'm not able to exercise regularly as someone with a full functioning heart would be able to. And I do appreciate each day that's given to me, and I know how precious and how fragile life really is, and I try not to take for granted the life that I have been blessed with. That's wonderful. I like how you're not letting your diagnosis hinder you. I think that's really good. And that you're aware of your exercise limitations. But you can do some exercise, right? Yes, ma'am. I am able to walk on a daily basis, though I should probably do it more than I usually do. However, I'm not one who's going to start training to run a marathon anytime soon. <laughs> Me neither. And I don't have HLA. Yeah. But I wish you looked yes. closer so we could go walking together. That would be so much fun. Okay. It would be, yes, ma'am. So you can do some exercise, but like Alex, you're probably not going to be doing any weight training or any marathons like you just said. But being able to walk around, that's pretty good. That should help you to not gain too much weight. Have you ever used an exercise bike? Not Normally, I usually just either walk around my neighborhood, uh, walk the track up at school when my school day is over, or do a walk-at-home video that I have. Oh, that sounds good. All that sounds good. Okay, great. Well, I'm so happy to see in your bio that you've led a fairly normal life growing up and that you've been involved in a number of activities with your peers. So can you tell us a little bit about how many surgeries you've had, and if you remember any of them, and how you're doing heart-wise right now? Of course. I had two open-heart surgeries back in the mid and late 80s. Dr. Norwood was only doing two procedures, and so I had the first one when I was nine days old in May of 1985, and the second one when I was about 18 months old in October of 1986. And that was all that was required for me at the time. I now know that they do it in three stages. But I have not had any open heart surgery, any catheters, anything related to cardiac health as far as surgery goes. I have not had anything done since October of 1986, which I know is very rare. And I know it's a huge blessing for my parents and for myself to not have to worry about anything like that. I... And doing really well heart-wise, I go to the cardiologist about once a year and always come back with a great report. I'm on two medications a day, and that's about it. Wow, that's amazing. So did your parents actually take you to Boston or Philadelphia, wherever Dr. Norwood was? Did he do your surgeries? Yes, my parents and I were care flighted to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia from Dallas, Texas, and Dr. Norwood did perform both of my heart surgeries himself. Wow. Wow. So, Stu, you really are a pioneer. I guess so. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just 
so incredible. And that you only needed two surgeries. My son originally only had two surgeries as well. Even though he was born in 1994, he actually had a modified Norwood procedure for his first procedure. And then he had a fenestrated Fontan. Did you have a fenestrated Fontan or just the regular Fontan? I believe it was the fenestrated. Oh, yeah? Okay. And then my son had to have his Fontan redone when he was 17, but you haven't had to have anything redone? No, ma'am. That's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. And since you had it when you were so young, you probably don't remember any of it. I don't, honestly. I don't remember a thing. I remember vaguely we used to go to... Philadelphia every couple of years just to see Dr. Norwood and the team that we worked with up until 1994, I believe, when Dr. Norwood went on to Switzerland to do some medical things over there. Yeah, he started a program with Dr. Castaneda in Switzerland. So yeah, yeah. then he was in the United States for several years. So then you just started seeing a doctor here in Texas? Yes. Yes, I saw a doctor at Children's Medical Center until I was in high school, and then I now see a doctor at Medical City of Dallas. Oh, wow. So you do a lot of traveling to see your doctor. Yes, I'm looking into seeing somebody in Houston because it's a little closer, but right now I'm going to stick with my cardiologist in Dallas. Well, the great thing about Texas Children's Hospital in Houston is that they actually have some doctors devoted to the care of adults with congenital heart defects. Exactly, and that's what has drawn me to that location. Right. We actually got a doctor for my son in Houston as well, even though, like for you, it's a bit of a drive. Because we don't have to do it that often, luckily, it's worth the trip. Definitely, definitely. Like my son, you've had to endure multiple procedures. It doesn't sound like you've had to have a bunch of catheterizations, so that's good, or additional surgery, so that's good. But I'm wondering what the biggest obstacle is that you've had to face in seizing the day given the severity of your heart defect. I would say the biggest obstacle I have had to face with this heart defect on a very personal level is I am not able to have children, and that is something I found out about five years ago at one of my cardiology appointments. Mm -hmm. And so it was something I kind of knew in the back of my mind, probably wasn't a possibility, but always hoped and prayed that it would be possible. And I remember one day my cardiologist asked me if I had any questions, and I thought, you know what, I'm not in a relationship, but I am in my mid-20s, hoping to get married and start a family over the next five or 10 years. And I just asked him if it was possible. And unfortunately, it's not. And that was very hard to hear. Mm-hmm. I imagine that would be very hard to hear. I actually did a whole show on adults with congenital heart defects becoming mothers because it's not an option for all people who have congenital heart defects. And for a lot of women, becoming a mother is the next big step we make in womanhood. (laughs) Right, yes. As girls, we look forward to becoming women and mothers someday. And so when you're told you can't, it can be traumatic. But so many women have decided to either go the surrogacy route or decided to adopt. That way they can still achieve motherhood. It's just not in the traditional method that 
most of us go through. So have you given any thought to that? I know you've been married for a year and a half now, and so that is something that we frequently talk about with our spouse when we're newly married. So is that something you and your husband have thought about? It is. The Lord has always put on my heart this desire for adoption, and I believe that it is for this purpose of not being able to have children. And when I met my husband while we were dating, I told him about not being able to have children, and his mother actually worked for an adoption agency. And so that was just a huge sigh of relief, I guess you could say, just to know that I wasn't in this alone and We have the support that we need to go through with adoption if that is something that we want to do. And it is, and it's something that we hope to start in the next couple of years. So we're very much looking forward to that. Oh, that's wonderful. It is nice that you have that option and that your health is not so bad that you don't think you can care for an infant because it's a lot of work to care for a baby. Yes, yes. Thank you for sharing this information, Mary Beth. We need to go to a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, listeners. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Mary Beth about getting married and more about married life. We just touched on it a little bit here with our last question, but we'll be talking to her a little bit more about that when we come back from this commercial break. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.amazon.com babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Hi, I'm John Montez of NBC's hit acapella show, The Sing-Off. In acapella music, it takes a team to create a sound that many will enjoy, just like it'll take a team to help my good friend Miles Schweitzer, an HLHS survivor. Let's help Miles fulfill his dream and make a big enough sound to bring awareness to congenital heart disease. Please visit him at GoFundMe.com backwards slash The Miles Project. Miles with the Y. Again, that's GoFundMe.com The Miles Project. This is for Miles. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at HeartToHeartWithAnna.com. That's Anna at HeartToHeartWithAnna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Mary Beth Poole, and Mary Beth is a 30-year-old HLHS survivor, and she just finished telling us about how she doesn't let her heart defect hinder her and what her biggest obstacle is, and that leads right into what I wanted to talk about in this second segment. I wanted to talk to Mary Beth a little bit about being a newlywed, because it's always exciting for me to talk to newlyweds. My husband and I will be celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary anniversary in the year 2016, Mary Beth. Can you believe it? (laughs) Wow. Congratulations. That's exciting. (laughs) Thank you. It is exciting. I'm happy that we've been able to make it this far, and it's been a wonderful experience, a wonderful life with my husband. But I wanted to know your story. Tell us a little bit about how you met Nick and how long you knew each other before you got married, and just tell us how wonderful Nick must be. 
Okay, well, Nick and I actually met on eHarmony online. Oh, cool. And yeah, and so we were in our late 20s when we met. And I feel as though when you're at that age and you're on an online dating website or just dating in general, you're not just dating for the purpose of dating, but you're dating to find that person that you want to be with for the rest of your life. And so Nick and I started chatting and we started dating and we dated for about a year. And then we got engaged, and we were engaged for a year, and then we got married. So I knew Nick for about two and a half years before we got married, and now we've been married for almost a year and a half. So he, aside from my parents and my brother and sisters and my immediate and extended family, Nick is my number one supporter when it comes to congenital heart awareness. Every time we go back to Dallas and if there's a heart event at Medical City, he is the first one to say, let's go, let's do this. He's met so many great heart families with me and is always encouraging me to participate in whatever I can do. And I'm just very thankful for that. And I'm very thankful to him for being that support. Yeah, that is amazing. So I hope it's not too personal if I ask you this, but did you tell Nick right up front about your heart defect or did you wait until you had been dating for a while? I am very upfront about it. It's nothing that I try and hide. And I feel as if when you're getting to know somebody, especially on a dating website or even if you've met someone for the first time, a lot of questions come up. And one of the biggest questions that comes up is, did you play sports in high school or did you play Mm -hmm. sports growing up? And that's always my window of opportunity to say, I did not, and here's why. And Mm -hmm. so that was brought up, and I just flat out told him what it was. And I think I really made him nervous at first because he wasn't (laughs) expecting that answer, number one. And number two, he has never really been around somebody with a severe congenital heart defect. And so I made him promise not to treat me any differently and not to not ask me something or not initiate something that we do just because of my heart condition. And he's respected that, and he's very aware of the fact that there are things that we're not going to be able to do because of my heart condition, but we don't let that stop us from enjoying our life and enjoying our marriage. He sounds like a very, very special man. He is. Well, I think it takes a special kind of person to marry someone with a congenital heart defect simply because we never know what's going to happen next. And our lives can literally change in a heartbeat. But you know what? That's true whether you have a heart defect or not. It's just that most people don't think about life in that way. And they don't think about how fragile life can be. So you said that he never really knew anyone with a serious congenital heart defect before. And yet it seems like he's latched on to the whole heart world very well from what you've been saying, how he's such a supporter of yours and goes with you to your doctor's appointments. And it sounds like he's really embraced the heart world. What kind of advice would you give to another adult with a congenital heart defect who is dating and is looking for that special someone? It's not something to be ashamed of. I, like I've said before, embrace it. Obviously, don't let it hinder you from enjoying your relationship and be upfront and be honest with that person because I believe they'll appreciate that because I feel as if Nick and I had dated for a while and I said, oh, by the way, here's yeah. this major life event that I've been through and I will continue to go through until the day I die. That would have thrown him for a loop and I'm pretty sure he would not have appreciated that either. 
Right. So that's really all I would have to say is just be honest. And if they're not going to respect you and they're not going to continue to love you or want to date you, then that's obviously not the person you need to be with because that's just going to hurt you in the long run as well. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I did a show with Jenny Busta and her husband, Nick, and with Lauren Bednards and her sweet husband. And both of the girls, like you, were born with congenital heart defects. And both of the guys did not have heart defects. And I love that show because it really was neat to see how the gentlemen felt about their wives, about their heart defects, and how they were living with the same kind of issue that you were just talking about in the first segment where you can't have a child naturally. And all three of you ladies are deciding, do I want to adopt or use a surrogate or just have my husband and me and that's it and decide not to have children. These are issues that any newlywed couple has to think about. But I think it's a little bit more challenging when you have congenital heart defects thrown into the mix. But I love your advice. I've talked to a number of other adult survivors, mostly women, talk to me about this, not men, but where women say it's hard to find Mr. Right because as soon as they start talking about the heart defect, just like you said, it scares off gentlemen who they might want to marry, and so they don't even get to know them that well because as soon as they find out about the heart defect, they leave. Did you ever have that problem when you were younger and you were dating? No, because I really didn't date in high school or even in college, really. In high school, all my guy friends knew about my heart condition, and even in college, I had a great group of guy friends, and everyone was aware just because it does come up in conversation casually, but there were never any serious relationships actually until I met Nick. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, well, we need to take another quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, listeners, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Mary Beth about what advice she has for HLHS survivors and their parents and how they conceive today. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Hi, I'm John Montez of NBC's hit acapella show, The Sing-Off. In acapella music, it takes a team to create a sound that many will enjoy, just like it'll take a team to help my good friend Miles Schweitzer, an HLHS survivor. Let's help Miles fulfill his dream and make a big enough sound to bring awareness to congenital heart disease. Please visit him at GoFundMe.com backwards slash The Miles Project. Miles with the Y. Again, that's GoFundMe.com The Miles Project. This is for Miles. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. 
Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Mary Beth Poole, and I have had so much fun talking to Mary Beth. She is a 30-year-old HLHS survivor. We just finished talking with Mary Beth about how she met her sweet husband, Nick, and how wonderful and supportive he is, and what wonderful advice she gave to other survivors about finding Mr. Wright. And we only have a couple minutes left, Mary Beth, but I do have a couple more questions I would like to ask you. And the first one is that one of the things that I love to do with this radio show is to empower our listeners. As a teacher and an HLHS survivor, what advice do you have for HLHS survivors and parents of HLHS survivors so that they can seize the day? I think the biggest thing for survivors as well as parents, and especially parents when their children are young, is to be your own advocate and to be your child's advocate. Because as much information as the doctors and the nurses are going to give you, and nowadays as much as you read online, which can be helpful, but also pretty terrifying if you read the wrong stuff, you know your body, you know your child's body, you know how they respond to different things and you know how you personally respond to different things. And so don't ever be afraid to speak up for yourself and do not ever be afraid to speak up for your children no matter what the doctors are saying because ultimately you are the one that's going home with your child or you are the one that's going home and having to take care of yourself. And so that's something that I've always stressed to parents in particular is to to stand up for their child and stand up for themselves as well. I think you're right. I think that in order for us to seize the day, we have to be as in control as we can be. And there are a lot of things we have no control over. Parents have no control over the fact that their baby was born with a heart defect. Those babies have no control over the fact that they were born with that heart defect. But what we do have control over is how we deal with it. And being an advocate, like what you're suggesting, helps us to regain some of the control we may feel was taken away from us when we were given that diagnosis. You're right. Nobody knows your body as well as you do. So when you do stand up for yourself and when you are an advocate for yourself, I think it does help you to seize the day better. Mary Beth, because HLHS usually requires multiple surgeries or even a heart transplant, HLHS families end up spending a lot more time in a hospital than most people do. So if you could give one piece of advice to parents of HLHS babies about helping them to seize the day even when they're in a hospital, what would that advice be? Again, standing up for your child. And then I also think just taking time for yourself when you can. I know that you want to be at your child's bedside 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But if you're not well rested and if you haven't taken just an hour to run an errand, go grab something to eat, and just to get away from the noises of those machines and the voices of the doctors and the nurses, then I don't think that you're going to be emotionally stable and honestly, just think it's going to be hard to be there for your child in the way that you need to be. I'm not a parent, so I could be totally off, but knowing how stressful of a situation that is, I believe that if you don't take time for yourself, then it's just going to get worse. That's really, I think, very accurate advice to give to parents. And as a teacher, you've dealt with a lot of parents, especially being a teacher for seven years. You see how stressful it can be to be a parent. And hopefully most of your children are normal and don't have right. heart issues. So taking some time, and it's hard to do, Mary Beth. I was so afraid to leave my child's 
outside. But I was lucky because my parents were there and they would do exactly what you're saying. They would tell my husband and me, you two go get dinner away from the hospital, even if it was in the hospital cafeteria, but away from that hospital. You need some time to just decompress and be together. And my mom and dad would stay with Alex. So we didn't have to worry about him not having somebody loving there with him. But you're right. We really needed that. And when Alex had his second surgery, that took place while my husband and I celebrated our anniversary. And my parents were really wonderful about letting us have some time that night. We actually went to a real restaurant instead of eating in the cafeteria and just celebrated. We still had each other and that we did have that support and we did have Alex with us. Even if he was in the hospital, we were so confident that he was going to make it through that last surgery. And that's what had to be our focal point because I think otherwise, like you're saying, for emotional health, I think we might have fallen apart. Right, for sure. So I think that's excellent advice. Well, Mary Beth, you are one of the few people who actually wrote to me and told me that you would like to be on the show. And so I want to inform our listeners, I do read all the mail I get. <laughs> and I love it when people <laughs> write to me and say, I'd like to come on the show. I think that's great. I don't know everybody in the heart world. And so this is another way for me to get to know people. And so I want to thank you for writing to me and telling me that you wanted to come on the show. Well, thank you for letting me on your show. It's been a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun. And I can't believe our time is already up, but that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com, and our Cafe Press Boutique. Follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. Please, please follow us on Spreaker. We're trying to get enough followers so that the show can be made available on iHeartRadio. So please follow us on Spreaker. Once we get to 100 followers on Spreaker, then we can petition iHeartRadio to carry the show. So please do that, and remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week.